0: Every day I'm hustling. 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 Every day I'm, every day I'm, every day I'm, every day
1: I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points NBA show. I'm your favorite kidney stone who's single and ready to mingle, Rudy St. Clair. And joining me today is my boy Mike from the Dish the Rock podcast. How are you doing today, Mike?
0: I'm doing, doing all right, except for what happened last night, which we'll get to later. <laughs> How are
1: you? Uh, I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm a little groggy, as, as you know. I, I ain't slept much because I've, I've been celebrating. I've been having a good time. Really embracing the, um, the almost Grand Slam, home run, what the fuck ever, of getting the number one pick. That didn't quite happen for us, but I will gladly take number two. Uh, so, yeah, today we're gonna be going over, basically, reacting to the lottery. Uh, both of our teams, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Chicago Bulls, had a lot at stake in this, but ultimately, it is uh, New Orleans had a, that wins the Zion sweepstakes. Uh, what's a what's your temperature on everything right now? Are you freaking grieving? Are you just are you numb? How how are you? Are you okay?
0: I, I'm not okay. I'm like really sad. Like. I was thinking, like, you know, we might not get the number one overall pick, but we should get at least top four, top three, maybe even second pick. You know, I was just ready to, like, have top five at the very least. And then, flips the sign off Chicago Bulls. I'm watching the Bully Pulpit podcast, and their stream was, like, three or four picks behind. And so I'm looking at them, waiting for their reaction. I hear the ninth pick. I'm like, oh, they're behind, and I'm over here freaking out (laughs) and, like, so upset.
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah. I was at the uh, I was at the the fast break breakfast uh, watch party up in Nashville. had had a pretty good time there, and the twenty or so people that showed up to that were all absolutely elated and jubilant to, to get the second round pick, or the second overall pick. Uh, As I can't imagine what it would have been like to be at a Bulls lottery party, where I honestly feel like. Probably over half of the community, just from what I can tell, was really putting a lot of stock in the Zion sweepstakes, trying to, trying to get some hope there. Uh, what pick did you guys end up getting? I honestly don't even know.
0: <laughs> we got the seventh for the third year in a row. I mean, <laughs> technically, it's the second we got in the lottery, but the year before that, we traded for that pick for, with Jimmy Butler and Lori Markkinen, mm-hmm. but we've had 7 7, seven.
1: Uh, Hey, that's lucky. I mean, y'all, y'all have been a uh...
0: Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, this, you're set up well for future draft lotteries with three consecutive sevens like that. If you're the superstitious type, or just the gambling type, I suppose. If you like the slots, but I mean, that's what the lottery's about. <laughs> it's all about playing the odds. Honestly, I'm like as happy as I am to get the number two overall pick. Uh, in in the moment, it, it really just felt like a dick tease more than anything else. Like I felt like I was edging because <laughs> it, it like I I almost got there, you know. It was really great, but it could have been better. And I know it could have yeah, been better. I know exactly how it could have been better. <laughs> but it's just I like I eager to get a point guard or RJ Barrett. You know, I'm, I'm happy to have a potential extra valuable asset to attach to Mike Conley potentially in a future trade but I don't really see that as a likely scenario because I mean if you're going to trade away a draft pick and a veteran talent what do you really expect to get in return you know are you going to go for more better veteran talent I don't think so are you going to go for more younger better assets you know you already have the number two pick so it, it really feel like a, a compromise to, to do that sort of thing but I could still see it as a, a possibility
0: Uh, Yeah, I can definitely see you guys doing that. I I don't want you guys to trade Conley, though. I don't want that to happen. I love Conley on the Grizzlies.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he has a shot to be one of those few uh, Dirk types that plays his whole damn career in one spot. But, I mean, he deserves a chance to win, I think. I mean, the closest he's ever gotten is getting swept in the Western Conference Finals. And, uh, you know, we just pulled the plug out from that basically as soon as it happened afterwards, you know, fired the coach. Did the whole nine? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what what is what is your best outcome for having the seventh pick? Just intuitively, what who's the guy that you want to go after? What's the trade that you want to happen? What's a what's your deepest desire now that you know the reality well, of the lottery?
0: I know a lot of Bulls fans are wanting to trade that pick for Lonzo, mm-hmm. and other people want Darius Garland, or Kobe White, but this player, uh, Cam Reddish, I wanted him. The entire time. He was the one player I wanted besides Zion. It went like Zion, Cam, and then after that, I was kind of cool with most of like the top five.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: if we can land Cam Reddish, I think it's going to be perfect. And most people don't agree with me, though. But I could see this Lonzo trade being a good idea, but I, I'd rather take Cam Reddish.
1: Yeah, Cam Reddish has been one of the more polarizing prospects. You know, Not that I'm deep into draft Twitter or anything like that. But from what I can tell, you know, my little pulse on it, Cam Radish is basically a super big hit or miss type guy. It's like he's either going to be, you know, I I know this isn't exactly a a very observant or intuitive take, but the odds of him being a bust or being just an average guy, you know, a 3 and D athlete who can be an NBA player, but that's about it, you know, not exactly a, a fundamental building block. I feel like the odds of something like that happening are much higher uh, than of him being an all-star or even a superstar. Uh, I don't see okay. a, a Cam Reddish as like a fourth option on a championship team, but maybe at his best, that is that is what he could be.
0: I, I could definitely see that. The reason why I wanted him so bad is because even though it wasn't like the best year he could have had at Duke, it was still a solid season. And with him being the third scoring option and at times the fourth or the fifth, Mm -hmm. that seems perfect to me to put behind Laurie Markin and Zach Levine because right now there are two go-to guys. Now with Otto Porter coming in and being a go-to guy, I think we could slide Otto to the two, Zach to the one, and put Cam at the three. That's a tall lineup, but I think it'd still work out because Cam, I think he's like 6'8 or 6'9.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Plus, if you could get any sort of distribution – playmaking uh, ability added to Otto Porter's game over the course of his career as a bull, he would definitely be like a like a quiet Lamar Odom type. You know, you could, you could afford that. Now, I'm not saying he has like a history of being a phenomenal ball-hander playmaker, but I think he has that in his game potentially should he choose to develop it or should the organization around him choose to make him develop it. Now, Zach, I feel like when I watch him that he's a lot more... Of a, a like a Westbrook-esque like power guard, like a guy who just his whole job is to charge at the rim or to take shots or to kick it out after he charges to the rim, you know, which is still like very point guardy. But if you want it to be like the the floor general leader on the floor, does it all for everybody type of CP3 type, you know, prototypical point guard. I'm not sure who Zach is that. So. If I were you guys, I would be happier with like a like a Culver, or uh, you know, I'm not super big on Jaw or Garland. Uh, I know that the Grizzlies are likely to end up with Jaw at number two, and I'm content with that. But I think if you guys ended up with Jaw, Culver, Garland, that would be a a real grand slam for uh, you know building up your future. I think it'd be a little bit more balanced than throwing another wing in there. But honestly. Positions matter so little now that you could be like the 76ers and have five centers on the floor and pretend one's a point guard. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: I, I really like Darius Garland too. Like, I liked him before he, like, right as he was in the mid you know, All-American. Yeah, so I kind of started looking at him because I'm a Florida Gators fan. I talked about some Bullies podcast, too. And so he's going to Vanderbilt, and that's also an SEC team. And so I kind of, like, looked at him, like, okay, that's a rival. But I like this guy a lot. I like the way he plays. And after that injury, I was kind of upset about it because I was excited to see him play and go to the tournament, potentially. But it looks like he's bulked up now. And he could definitely be a good distributor, I think. But I also love Chris Dunn. And this is what's hurting me is I think either he's getting traded or he's going to be moved to the bench after this draft. And that sucks because I've always – Really liked him ever since in his rookie season. He threw the ball like around, I forget who it was. And I think he either missed the layup or he just dished it out when he was on the Timberwolves. And it was just like such a cool dribble move. I always liked him from that. And I was so happy when we got him in the trade with Zach Levine.
1: Yeah, Chris Dunn's definitely one of those dudes that. Has a lot of upside. Like I feel like he's Brandon Knight without all the bad luck, because Brandon Knight was like a really touted prospect. There was talk in that draft class. I'm, I'm not sure if you remember, but there was a season where people were talking about the Cavaliers selecting Brandon Knight over Kyrie. And yeah, you know, I remember that. Yeah, like he he had a lot of potential. I see a lot of like a similar body shape and size. You know, like you're six three to six four, but long ass arms and kind of built well. Uh, wide shoulders type of type of frame. Super modern NBA player, you know, as far as just the physical aspects of it all. But as far as I understand Chris Dunn, defensively, he's at least like a, a consistent B+. plus. At times, he looks like an A. Uh, but on offense, he just hasn't really put it together as far as I understand it. You know, I'm not on the Bulls' pulse as much as you, of course. Uh, so do you think that Chris Dunn really stands a chance to, to put it together? Uh, rather it be on the bench of the Bulls or maybe somewhere else if he does get traded?
0: I could definitely see it because in the season, in his second season when we got him, he was actually given – that was technically his rookie year to me. It wasn't – he played enough games the rookie season. Not the to not be considered a rookie, but Tom Thibodeau did not give him, like, the chances that we did. And when he got, like – when he was the main person on the floor, like the go-to shooting guy, go-to scorer, he definitely showed up. He was clutch – He was amazing on the defensive end. He's athletic. His jump shot was all right, but when we needed three, he was one of the guys we could have gone to if we had to. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I just think it was an off year because at the beginning of the season, he missed a couple weeks from having a kid. And Mm -hmm. after him falling on his face last year and busting his seat, Mm -hmm. he kind of wasn't the same. But I think he can definitely bounce back.
1: Yeah. I mean, shoot, honestly, if – you guys wanted to trade the 7th pick and Chris Dunn and maybe give us those freaking Wayne Seldon second round picks back. I would be pretty damn happy with that.
0: <laughs> I forgot about that trade. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, Rusty broke it down so perfectly. Rusty buckets of course, you know. He is basically y'all got the better player and draft picks and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Like, yeah, but
0: you got just Hollow,, <laughs>
1: oh, oh man. He did so good in the last week of the season when nobody was trying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love Justin Holiday that I was upset when he got traded from us to New York with Derek Rose, and I was happy when he came back. Then he kind of just was there, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure he didn't exactly grieve his loss when when he was traded to the Grizz, you know, considering the package he got in return.
0: I love Seldon. Like he's one of those guys. I hope we can bring back next year because he was just like so fun to watch. He was definitely a grit and grind type guy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I couldn't really find a find anybody in the in the Grizzlies community who is as pro Seldon as I was. Um, maybe it's just because Wayne Seldon Jr. is just one of those players that's left over from the era in my life where I made tons of 2K draft classes and rosters and stuff and uploaded it and all that. And Wayne Selden was consistently one of those dudes that was potential was just way too fucking high. <laughs> He'd always end up fucking owning the league. And it's like, all right, so Wayne Seldon's good, apparently. The, someone on 2K gave him a high rating. Some, some guy like me <laughs> who uploads draft classes for fun thinks he's good. He'll probably be good. He's definitely solid. He's, <laughs> he's a solid
0: player. Like, he's, a, he's a guy you could definitely want on your bench squad.
1: Yeah, man, I mean, he's a fearless shooter, and he, he. no one else in the Grizz is a fearless shooter. <laughs> you know, Justin Holiday isn't exactly a, your Courtney Lee type where he's going to get his four shots a night no matter what. <laughs> like, he'll, he'll take them, but not as aggressively as Wayne Seldon and Courtney Lee did back in the day. I miss Courtney Lee. I miss a lot yeah. of guys. I'm looking at this, uh, <laughs> <that you do. laughs> ten, barely, barely relevant tangent here. I'm looking at this lunchbox I got at the watch party. It's it's super nice. You should you should definitely try going to a watch party if they if they give away things. Cause I would have, I probably would have paid like twenty bucks for this on eBay. I, I got it for just the price of driving a few hours and back, and and, the, nice. and the rest of the night. night then so it has has Grizz the mascot on one side, and then I'm not sure how deep into uh, Grizz lore you are, but on the other side it's his alter ego, uh, Super Grizz. Which is, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So I got, I got a super lunch lunchbox from the Fast Break Breakfast watch party. Uh, uh the only, well, I'm always, yeah, the only I'm reason I brought stuff. it up because it was there and not really actually as relevant as I thought it was. <laughs> oh, man. Do you, um, so you just stayed at home and watched the a lottery party stream and watched the actual event, I guess, on your own TV or whatever?
0: Yeah, I kind of just chilled at my house and watched it. Like yeah. I was getting I put on my Derrick Rose jersey to give us number one pick luck. Got mm-hmm. my bulls hat on, holding my D Rose twos. Just so ready. And then it just happened. And I
1: was awestruck. <laughs> and so you got the seventh pick. You're wearing your number one yep. D Rose jersey. Uh I think I heard a number two in there. Somehow. Yeah, my
0: the D Rose twos. Okay. I yeah. have like the Christmas Day game against the Lakers where you hit that floater over Kobe. I
1: -hmm. have those shoes. Fuck, yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of a fucking psychotic way to arrive at the number seven uh, based on all of the lucky things that you did and directly blame it on you. Similar to how I blame myself (laughs) for getting the number two pick for wearing two Chandler Parsons jerseys while also blaming myself for not getting the number one pick for not only wearing one. So... The way I you see so you got you got two shoes that are the Derrick Rose twos. That's that's four somehow. because uh, each you know each shoe is a two. And then yeah. you had know, your one. No, it's just it's not there. It's not there. Can't do it. The math the math doesn't add up. I guess it's not your fault. So don't feel too bad.
0: I feel pretty bad because I didn't want to put on my Rose jersey. I asked this Bulls group, so I said, should I put on my Rose jersey and like, put on as much as possible? <laughs> I'm just going to wear the hat and the jersey and hold the shoes.
1: Oh, see, that's what it is the hat. The hat's what did it. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have worn the jersey and the shoes, you would have been good. You would have been in the top four easily. Definitely. Everything the fans do, both at home and in the stadium, has a direct impact on the outcome of the game.
0: One hundred percent. I this is a little tangent. I went to the Magic Bulls game when they were in Orlando like a month or two ago, and DJ Augustine, I think he had two or three free throws, and me yelling because I was right behind the basket. Every time I yelled, he missed the free throw. So I'm I'm taking credit for him missing the free throws and us winning that game.
1: (laughs) You know, I I had a I had a similar experience, uh, secondhand, not firsthand. You know, I wasn't the one yelling. But it was my first Grizz game I ever went to with my dad, you know, a million fucking years ago. And we were sitting in like the like the mid level. Like it's technically called the club, but it's not that fucking fancy, you know? Just the the mid tier. And uh the way that was set up, you know, the Grizzlies were like a twenty something win team at the time, had been for a while. I believe it was when Rudy Gay was there. Um and so naturally this crowd wasn't really very filled. You know, stadium probably fills 15 to 20,000 I guess I don't know FedEx's capacity off top but there's no way it was even at 40 Uh, percent and so in my little section there was probably three other people Uh, there's you know a man and then a couple uh, behind us the man was by himself and a couple seats over to our right and whenever the opponent was at the free throw line it was the Nuggets uh, the Nene uh, and Chauncey Billups, Carmelo, Jr. Smith, Nuggets. That team. damn, yeah.
0: that was a nice team.
1: So I was actually going to see that team. That was my team at the time. That is, these just the closest team. <laughs> um, but every time they're they're at the line, uh, this dude would just lose his shit like right at the release point. And I think the only dude it got to, surprisingly, was Nene. <laughs> and
0: uh it, scariest dude on
1: the court. <laughs> yeah, really. Like the the man who will choke you and you know do some judo whatever the Brazilian martial art is. Headbutt
0: you know? like he did with Jimmy. <laughs>
1: God and did you see that clip that went viral from uh the Warrior series of him just throwing some dudes to the ground instead of boxing him out? Yeah. <laughs> God <laughs> I love Nene, man. He's he's one of a kind. I mean, he only has so one name.
0: So. On UK too, you just have to get so close to the basket. <laughs> he just makes almost everything. <laughs> yeah, he,
1: he, was, uh, he was like the original like NBA blog boy, like overhyped dude. You know, like how everybody loves Pascal Siakam just because like Zach Lowe loves Pascal Siakam now. Nene was that guy like 10 years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like early on, everybody thought he had like so much potential. He was like Kenneth Fareed.
1: For <laughs> Kenneth Reed. Yeah, man. I, I miss Kenneth Farid being really fucking good. So do I. He had, like... Just hyped up dreadlock dudes. Yeah, he just jumped as high as he could every time he could. You know? Like, he wasn't a great defender, but, like, he looked like it 20% of the time because he was you trying so hard. Got up there. <laughs> oh, man. You, uh... I know the Grizzlies have a couple guys who are, like, you know... Kenneth Farid's in Nene's clothing, if you will. <laughs> uh, y'all y'all got any guys who are fucking fake good? You, you got any guys that you wish you would attach to the seventh pick or anything like that just to get them off your team, like the, like the Chandler Parsons of the world?
0: <laughs> I'll give – like I love all my players because I'm not one of those guys who like hate on a player that's on my team because they're my team. I'm going to support everybody. I want everybody to do good. But like, Felicio, I just, <laughs> messed it that up. contract, man, is
1: just tough. Hey, man, it's only like a third of Chandler Parsons, so I'm sure we could work That's something true. out. Isn't it longer term, too? Like, you got like two or three more years or something? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. do Ch- why we did that. Chandler is uh, finally adding some value to the franchise in his fourth and final season by becoming a large expiring contract. <laughs> so... You know if the Lakers suddenly dis- decide that they want to get off LeBron uh they can just trade him for Chandler Parsons and be off the money the next year which would be nice. LeBron could finally come to Memphis like he was really supposed to before the NBA a work, stuck yeah. their little fingers in the in the lottery like they always do. The the lottery is rigged man. I don't care what anyone says. If it's not like completely rigged every single pick then uh, they at least control who gets the important picks. Like, I think it was a lock that the Lakers were going to get Lonzo at the two spot. I think it was a lock that the NBA-owned Pelicans were going to get the number one spot in the AD days. And you know what? It was probably a fucking lock that the David Griffin ran, a.k.a. former NBA employee, kind of golden boy the front office image, you know, lucked his way into getting another number one pick. For this franchise that really needs some hype behind it, otherwise it legitimately risks dying the fuck out. (laughs) You know, like I I just there's too many things Uh, like the Patrick Ewing thing way back. The first draft lottery was rigged. They've all been rigged since. Uh, You can't convince me otherwise. I'm open to it, but as of this moment, it's it would take a very ironclad argument to convince me that the lottery, which happens behind closed doors, and they just show us the results, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, th- there's there's got to be something shady going on there. That's why I, would, I did not think even a little bit that the Pelicans were going to get it. I thought Zion would just go to one of the four biggest markets, Chicago, Atlanta, New York, or L.A. <laughs> and so when Memphis and New Orleans were both in the running at the end, I started losing my fucking marbles.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw on that video.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm sorry y'all couldn't quite land Zion, but I, I I still think seven is okay. I know it's not a thick draft class, you know, not exactly the most dense. But
0: yeah,
1: y'all got, lower got at seven. seven. <laughs>
0: yeah, Wendell. Wendell was very slept on because he got hurt, but that's the Black Panther.
1: I uh, I feel like that's a that's like the, the blog boy young center, you know, like the the hip mm-hmm. young big man to invest in, to buy stock in now because he hasn't quite had any opportunities to shine, but everyone who watches him play has seen his potential. Yeah. you know,
0: I've been called crazy for this, and I stand by this 100%. If Marvin Bagley did not go to Duke and kind of overshadow Wendell, Wendell would have been a top three pick. That's how talented he was coming out of high school and how big of an impact he would have on that Duke team. It was just him without Marvin. Definitely top three pick.
1: Yeah, shoot. It's crazy how dudes can look in college. Like, this, again, not exactly a very original observation. But it blows my mind every fucking time that a guy like Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker, you know, the number one and number two overall picks, mega fucking hype out of high school for years, going to big major programs in college and having reasonable enough success to get drafted that high can just basically fucking flop in the league. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Like you'd think that with all the money involved, the amount of fucking dudes that are keeping their eyes on talent and trying to decide who's good and who's not that, we would figure this shit out and not draft Hashim to be second overall, (laughs) you know, like how does it just keep happening? I don't understand bust.
0: I mean, that's how I kind of felt with this past college class, because looking at the McDonald's all Americans, not like the recent one, but the one with Zion in it, Mm -hmm. there was so much like talent. I know it's McDonald's is all talent, but like Nasir little Romeo Langford, I think Tyler Hero was, and if he wasn't, he was still a top player in his class. But then, like, and E.J. Montgomery, I think it's E.J., who just completely sucked at Kentucky. And year, Little was, like, on the bench, and, like, Kobe White was really hyped up. But, like, they were all supposed to be, like, top tier. And, like, Nasir Little, I think, rode the bench for a while. So it's just crazy how, like, talent in each, like, level of basketball – completely differentiates
1: yeah man it's like I feel like even within the scope of just the NBA there's like this weird Goldilocks zone of effort and energy where you get your DeMar DeRozan's and Kyle Lowry's where they hustle hard enough and are good enough to be all-stars in the regular season but ultimately like that kind of gives away your You know, you're showing your cards already when you go into the playoffs, when you max out your game in the regular season like that. And it ends up just, oh, yeah, they're good regular season players. They're good 82-game players, bad 16-game players. It's just wild to me that it's even that competitive. I guess that's the best part of the NBA is that, like, if you're not the best of the best, we will all fucking know. (laughs) know, It's it's hard to be a fraud in the NBA. Oh, yeah, man. The difference between the Kawhi Raptors and the, De- the DeMar Raptors is fucking stellar.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: This uh, I just
0: love that duo of Kyle and DeMar the past couple years. Like, they were like a secret team I would root for, unless when they played the Bulls. Like, I was like, yeah, I fucking love DeMar. I love Kyle. Love that team. And I was sad when DeMar got traded. And I felt hurt too. I was hurting with the uh, Toronto fans.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Plus, DeMar is like just a super cool dude with like his openness about you know suffering and dealing with depression and stuff like that. You know, mental mental health awareness his, his role in the league. That definitely adds a another layer to his depth of character that I can really appreciate. And plus, you know, the whole uh, mid range game thing. I don't know if you saw this exchange on Twitter, but this um, ex pro scout uh, in, goes by Brian O'Ringer. If I remember correctly, yeah, his name's Brian O'Ringer. Yeah, he makes YouTube videos now, and he was basically defending the mid range, and he did it in like a super passive aggressive way. Uh, quote tweeting, uh, Damon, you, you know, Damon the 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 raps in LA guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talking about Demar, and it was a pretty nuanced take. It wasn't even like a like a buzzy thing. But he screen capped it, didn't mention them, and then just basically expressed how he was so jealous of how such a dumb tweet can get such a positive ratio. You know? Like, <laughs> About them Twitter ratios. Yeah, man. He's a big fucking dweeb. <laughs> big fucking dweeb. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck from Fast Break ended up just being like, you could at least mention him. The whole whole little mini beef ensued in the in the comments. There is quite entertaining. I love NBA Twitter. It's like a it's like a Real Housewives but grown ass men on their phones.
0: Yeah, that like most of them can't make left hand
1: layups. Right, right. <laughs> they'll they'll criticize Ben Simmons for never shooting a fucking jump shot when Ben Simmons has definitely taken more jump shots than. They have even considered taking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I, I'm one of those people that does play basketball, and I can make some left hand layups, but like, if you tell me I need you to make a left hand layup for the game, it's like 60, 40, or maybe 70, 30 that I'll miss.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like,
0: my left hand is just shit.
1: It's like, because me and you are, are normal ass dudes. I don't know about you, but I, I'm fucking short. I'm five ten. Uh, See, you got even. You got a few inches on me. You're average. I'm. I'm. I'm average for a lady. (laughs) I'm. I'm five and a half feet tall. (laughs) That's cute. I've been told that. (laughs) I. I I said this on Twitter. Rusty told me I must just have nice friends, but uh, I'm just short enough to feel short when I look at pictures and stuff like that, but not so short to be constantly reminded of how short I am. You know, it's like, it's like I got to reach up high for something. Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a tiny little manlet. (laughs) I forgot. Let me get my step ladder.
0: I mean, a lot of times I'm the smallest guy on the court, especially like last year when I really was playing really well. And then Mm -hmm. I started like doing college stuff and I gained weight and I got really sick and I busted my ankle and now I weigh like a lot more than I did, but I'm still like fit. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you can definitely see that I've gained weight.
1: Yeah. It's like you won't get winded going up the stairs, but you could play 20% less minutes on the court. Oh,
0: yeah. Like, it it all depends on momentum, too, because I'm one of those momentum guys. Oh, you're a
1: streaky (laughs) streaky guy at the YMCA?
0: (laughs) Definitely. Like, there's games where, like, I won't make a single shot, and there's games where I'll score all 21 for my team.
1: See, I, I, I feel like I've privately been developing my game you know ever since a young age and it's still absolutely nowhere <laughs> <laughs> Like i didn't i didn't come from like a basketball family i i didn't like grow up loving basketball it was sort of a a late love affair for me it was always like a like a tertiary sport you know something something on the on the outside of what i was really interested in you know the just the other thing that came up on ESPN that seemed kind of interesting and dunk highlights are cool but you know it, it it's the best sport for moments and so naturally that moment after moment eventually just fucking captivated me uh, but in middle school uh me and my boy who actually came to me with to that watch party uh would go and shoot hoops after school till the sun goes down every fucking day after school so five days a week two hours a day i did not know how to take a goddamn jumper for the first two out of three of those years like I worked religiously on trying to figure out what form was comfortable and effective for me because I started off shooting like a slow Sean Marion. <laughs> just from the chest, like just chest pass it at the fucking backboard and hope it bounces in. <laughs> now now I got a a sweet little hip turn, you know, I line up my hip and my elbow. I follow through. I do everything right, and it goes in probably one out of five times. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that.
0: It's still solid.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not in the NBA. I have no one to impress but myself. So as long as I'm okay. Now, uh, what I usually do when I go and hoop is uh, I'll just take the ball and try dribbling with my left hand for about 30 minutes and run around doing as much left-handed stuff as I can. Because I feel like <laughs> if, if you're playing 21 or, you know, just a quick game of pickup, whatever, 5-on-5, five 3-on-3, five, three three, whatever, uh, no one expects you to go to your offhand ever. <laughs> Definitely. So,
0: and they call you out about it too. They're like, "Oh, wait, force him laugh, force him All
1: right. <laughs> so Break <I> think, it." <laughs> yeah, I got, a, I got a mean sky hook though. I got, I got, I got, hey, got that down packed. My uh,
0: grandfather uh, wants me to do that because from like <laughs> elementary school to like late sixth grade, I was the biggest pussy kid. I was not into sports at all. Really, I wanted to play tennis or golf. Mm-hmm. And then the first day of seventh grade uh, middle school in the gym, I was just shooting threes with like a big group of random ass people. I'm like, this was kind of fun trying out for the basketball team was shit. And like, I've progressively gotten better except for this past year where I've kind of just hit like a wall because of junior years shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, but like I, I can definitely hold my own on the court. There are days where I, I remember last summer, This is just a little stupid story. And it was the day before I went on vacation with my family. I bought a new basketball. Me and my best friend played in the afternoon, like 12 to like 2. I played like shit. And I was frustrated because I'm really passionate about it. Sometimes I get too passionate. I'll talk shit to you so much at just a pickup game. Mm -hmm. And I went home, thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back and just shoot around. I want to start I want to pick up back where I left off and just do well. And I get there and I'm all alone. I recorded myself shooting a few shots. I like caught myself hitting a fadeaway and making some layups. And then this kid who works with this local trainer and his dad showed up and like, you want to play 21? I'm like, yeah, sure. But today's an off day. So like, just know I'm not this ass. And <laughs> I I'd like, Cooked them like I do these. <laughs> you hustled them. you I, did them dirty. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yo, I'm sorry, I I said that like, cause I was hitting like fadeaway threes with them hitting my arms, and I couldn't believe it. And <laughs> you call it ones and shit. Are you from the Euro League? I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? He's like, no, I swear I've seen you. I'm like, no, I live over there. So <laughs> like, I I couldn't believe it. And people don't believe me when I say they asked me that, but they did. And I was just like so awestruck because I'm like, damn, like, there are days where I won't make a single shot in a game, and I just fuck these two people
1: massively. Mm-hmm. It's it's one it's one of those moments where it's just like beautifully analogous to just not sports, real life. You know what I mean? That's just how fucking it goes sometimes. You know, <laughs> some days you don't make any shots, just fucking cuz, <laughs> and other days you catch <laughs> on fire, just fucking cuz. You, especially when you don't expect it to, you know? That's my favorite thing about anything sports, but especially basketball, is that it just can become a beautiful little metaphor for real fucking life. Things that matter yeah. more than basketball. <laughs> like coping with fucking existence. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like one day, I'll be able to hit some reverse layers, and the next day, I'll hit the bottom of the backboard.
1: <laughs> yep. That's how it fucking goes, man. How it fucking goes. Yeah. Do you, um, you ever end up going to school with like a... Like someone who ended up being like a fucking actual basketball player, some shit like that. That's
0: Nah, but I remember in when I was in seventh grade, there was this kid, I think his name was Ronaldo Ross, and he was like really tall, and I think he got held back a few times. And I remember I was at one of the basketball games and he dunked it. And he's in eighth grade and oh, every, yeah. it was like in the school newspaper. First kid to ever dunk in our middle school's history in game. Uh, I remember I gym with him. And I just, like, see him, like, grabbing the rim. Like, I just started touching net a year ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, it's crazy how that guy, you know, the, the man who makes the papers in eighth grade in your hometown or whatever is still statistically, like, very, 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 very unlikely to ever be a pro baller. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I, I remember growing up, my best friend, his name was Josh. He's my best friend probably, like, fourth through sixth grade. And <clears throat> uh, the man idolized Kobe Bryant. He played basketball religiously. His dad was the coach in my upward league. Uh, Like he, he was ball is life, you know, before it was super fucking hip for a ball to be life. (laughs) And uh, I I was convinced, you know, he was a gross spurt away from just, you know, doing something with fucking basketball, but no, he never even came close. Like he was, he probably had the best jump shot out of anyone in our high school, but like that's about as far as that will get you. It's just, Fucking insane to me that you got dudes like fucking Cam Reddish and you're even your uh fucking Siakam's and Embiids who, you know, come from fucking nothing essentially. You're you're Giannis's. and they just end up grinding their way to the fucking league. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love it. I love the NBA. Everything about it. The lottery, the draft, the the teams of players, most some of the owners, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're about to the point where we're gonna see more, uh, more of the good old boy network that's controlled the league for so long to su- subtly be phased out. You know what I mean? Like like Sterling yeah. was big and loud, but I feel like some more quiet changes have happened. You know, in front offices and in their terms of like how they approach things. Uh, uh, Grizzlies are and and Bulls are definitely. To, that this doesn't apply to they're still very much good old boy organizations <laughs> you know uh, we, we didn't have the balls to fire our fucking gm or president of basketball operations whatever the fuck the job is actually called chris wallace we just gave him a demotion <laughs> you know he, he runs our scouting department now even though probably his biggest failures in being the pobo is that he doesn't draft well, <laughs> you know? And we we gave him the scouting department instead of just saying, "Hey, go find another job," because that's just how this shit works. <laughs> You're, when you get comfortable yeah. with people and you can control them as the yeah. owner, you'll you'll keep a, keep the guys you can control in power. Uh, yeah. God damn, y'all got gar exactly. Fucking gar man. Are you pro gar or anti gar I've never yeah. asked. I don't think.
0: Um. You know, I I used to be one of those people. Like every day, I find like more basketball odds. I feel like I get more basketball odds. Like now, I see like different angles. There. I'm very open minded in life and basketball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost burped. And <laughs> um,
1: they've exactly done a lot of
0: good moves that people like overlook because we're spoiled. The Bulls are very spoiled at times because we had Michael Jordan and Derrick Rose. And, like, the Jimmy Butler trade was amazing for us. But there are some, like, minor trades in the middle that, like, and, like, signings in the middle that are kind of just, like, what the fuck, man? But we do have our big, like, okay, that's solid. That's really good. But people won't admit it because they just want to fire him. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Rusty touched on this where he said it's mainly Gar Foreman who's been fucking us and paxson has been the one saving us. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think Gar got, like, demoted and so it's mainly been like packs and making decisions. And I I just love watching basketball. I just, whatever they do, I'm not going to quit on the team. I'm still going to love the team. even if It pisses me off seeing us lose by like 50 to the Warriors at halftime. But, you know, what happens, happens. I'll support them, whatever move they do. Like, I almost cried when Bobby Portis got traded. I'm not even going to lie. Because I loved Bobby Portis, but... It happens. I'm happy with auto. Definitely an upgrade. Yeah. So, I guess I'm in the middle of Gar Packs.
1: Gotcha. You you don't you don't want to uh, throw a, a bona fide label on yourself like hashtag fire gar Packs or whatever you know. So some people just fucking wear wear their their basketball ideas and just like adopt them into their personality and make them, uh, you know. No longer ideas, <laughs> you know. Don't keep an open mind. <laughs> you do that shit. You just yeah. you become a, an ideologue. <laughs> and it's just basketball. <laughs> oh,
0: we lost that game. Fucking Garpacks. Like, uh, nah,
1: dude. I feel like so many dudes, <laughs> so many dudes will just watch like maybe two games a year, and then just ride with the takeaways from the feelings that they have from those two games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just assume it as right. you know ultimate truth. Mm-hmm. This
0: year, one of my friends let me use his league pass, and I wanted to watch every single Bulls game on League Pass this year. I didn't do that, but I think I went like thirty games straight of watching every single League Pass game for the Bulls. Hell yeah! And, you know, it it definitely opened my eyes about this team and how excited I am for the future, as long as it pans out the way I hope it will.
1: Yeah, yeah, I am definitely gonna prioritize watching uh, full blown Grizz games this uh, upcoming season. The way the way I approach consuming the NBA, I feel like this is almost um sort of like a taboo subject to to talk about in a in our little niche industry here that we're trying to tap our way into, uh, you know, how we consume the content. But I, I watch a lot of recaps. I watch maybe a game a week, maybe three a month, more more like it, you know. But, it, it, you know, a lot of that has to do with me not having fucking cable because that shit's fucking expensive. I mean, I just use Reddit. I've been told that the Reddit experience is fucking better than the League Pass experience. But uh, I don't know. The pop-up ads on my TV get real annoying sometimes.
0: I bet. (laughs) League Pass is kind of slow sometimes. Like, I'll be watching on my laptop or, like, on my phone, and then I'll get, like, a notification from ESPN, like, buzzer beater. I'm like, damn, I'm still five seconds off. (laughs) <laughs> it's like it just it was momentum yeah man <laughs> like before the hawks bulls overtime game i was like oh are we gonna go to overtime again end of second overtime yep we are <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah goddamn. i wonder how many like sports or nba journalists specifically that are so committed to you know being on top of things that they make sure that they have all of this, the fastest technology. You know what I mean. Like, I'm pretty sure satellite's gonna take a full 30 seconds longer than cable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I wonder if like oh, Zach Lowe Woj. is, yeah, Zach Lowe and Woj are like really thinking about that shit <laughs> when they're when they're signing up for their their uh, their cable packages or whatever. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, you have uh, you have any final thoughts on the lottery or the Bulls or the Grizz or anything at all? Really, life in general. You want, uh, you want to take a stance on on uh, some controversial political topic that's in vogue right now?
0: <laughs> I, I want to say, this, since you're a Grizzlies fan, I was so excited to see Jaron Jackson Jr. in the league because he's a guy that, to me, looks like he can do literally everything on the floor. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I wanted him so bad if he fell to the Bulls, but I knew he wasn't going to. He just seems like he can do Everything.
1: Yeah, man. I see Jaren as like a definitely a building block, but I don't want Jaren to be the best player on our roster for more than a couple years at any given point in time. I feel like he's probably the second best player on a pretty damn good team. You know what I mean? If it's a well-constructed team. But I think if he's like the third option, like a... Like, sort of like a Draymond-esque role, except I think he's a lot more versatile offensively than Draymond eventually. You know, like Draymond uh, sort of shoehorns himself into a certain niche on offense. Uh, But uh, I think Jaron has a little bit more potential than that. Defensively, he's already a fucking A, you know, on the NBA scale, and he's only 19. It's not to sound like a Bostonian. (laughs) You know, I'm 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 not Bill Simmons but he, he's only 19 and he will forever only be 19. <laughs> when will Jason Tatum turn 20? <laughs> oh man, but he's only 19 uh, triple J of course. And, and I think if we could get him to be the third best player on the team by the time he's 29, you know, in his third contract uh, that, that would be fucking fantastic. If we could, you know, finish out the rookie deal, Uh, not let him walk away and restrict a free agency and then manage to fucking max him out after that. Uh, That would be the ideal Jaron Jackson Jr. Grizzlies through line for me is for him to be a necessary component on a damn good team, just not the best player. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, I, see, I could definitely see him as, like, a top player in the league just because, like, his size and, like, the way he looks like he plays from, like, college and stuff too. Just he looked like he'd be so dominant because yeah. I don't really see a flaw in his game, but I didn't really watch a lot of Grizzlies games.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how a new coach handles him because JBB has no real clue how to handle young talent in rotations. Like he's one of those guys that's going to stick to the veterans. He knows, you know, we kept fucking Shelvin Mack in the lineup for months. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Shelvin Mack over Wayne Selden for months and months and months. And eventually we traded Shelvin Mack uh, just so that the Hawks could clear up some cap space or something like that. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> we took a a young, I think his name Tyler Dorsey. Uh, we took him off their their hands, and he's all he was clearly better than Shelvin Mack upon arrival. And then he still struggled to get minutes until the absolute end of the season, where it's like, well, fuck it, everyone's getting minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah, give everybody some playing time.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, JBB's in Cleveland now, so I'm curious to see how much he's going to stunt the growth of uh of youth in, in that city. Y'all, y'all are lucky you didn't end up with him on, on your on your staff. How, how do you feel about Boylan? How do you feel about Boiling? Because I don't even have a head coach to bitch about right now. Y'all got Boiling at least for the next two years, if I'm not mistaken.
0: You know, I I was wary of him at first, and I'm like, all right, he's just a little rental coach till we get somebody good. But he's very passionate, and I love that and a coach. I want a coach that's passionate about the players. He he said that Wendell's like a son to him. Mm-hmm. And he's defensive minded, which I love because before I was, had a solid offensive game. I just stole the ball a lot and played lockup defense. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm one of those people that definitely hopes he does well, and I think he will do well, especially with this type of, um, like this roster that's young and. Mm-hmm. Although it's not strong defensively, I feel like he can make it strong defensively because Zach definitely jumped in defense, and the players now respect him. Like since that mutiny that happened, Mm -hmm. like the beginning of the season, where everyone was like, "Fuck off,
1: Boylan!" Yeah, the team. Please stop making us do suicides. (laughs) (laughs) Signed the whole roster. Long practice after back to backs.
0: (laughs) But I think this team definitely respects him now, and. I think Bulls fans should give him more credit on what's going to happen in the future than we probably will.
1: Plus like if he could actually implement a uh, you know a Thibodeau S culture of uh toughness and grit the Chicago personality but basketball format, you know, I feel like he's he's a good match to try and do that. And he as far as I understand, he's also pretty pretty tight with the front office and ownership. And so that is something that has a lot of uh, a lot of importance when you try to factor in staying power and in, in head coaches in the n b a because we all know that the head coach is the most expendable position on the floor and, yeah, but if you can keep I'm one for a while their fault. yeah if you if you can keep one for a while though you know you, you build a culture I, I feel like that's like a an underrated step to a dynasty like I feel like the warriors and the Spurs are like the two outlines that anybody should go by when trying to decide how to go about a head coaching search. You know, you fire Mark Jackson in spite of success because you feel like he's done his job. He's got you to the point that you need to be at. You know what I mean? But is he the same guy that's going to carry you to that next level? Sometimes you got to make a decision. I don't know if Boylan – are you eating chips
0: no no, no. I, I grabbed the bag oh. because my mom walked in when you were speaking she gave me a dress shirt oh. Oh, just
1: looking at it real quick <laughs> no but um i don't i don't know <laughs> sorry it's good I, I don't know if um if jim boylan is a mark jackson or if he's uh, a popovich obviously nobody's popovich you know what i mean but do you envision yeah. him as a guy that's going to stick around for as long as there is any amount of success, or do you see him as a guy to s- lay out a foundation for whatever the future holds?
0: I mean, going back on what you said about Tom Thibodeau type, he's already got the yell, so. <laughs> urse, the <laughs> I fucking love the fucking Timberwolves. I'm going off topic for a second, but the Timberwolves-Bulls games, and you just hear them yelling back and forth. <laughs> it
1: was the best thing to watch ever. I swear we should we should mic up coaches just to – and like have – just let the broadcast booth decide, you know, on the truck decide when, when to play the coaches' voices mid-game and when not to. It would be a fun little extra job for somebody to have.
0: <laughs> but I – That's really tough though, cause I could see him sticking around for a long time, but because like of his success with past teams, he worked with DeBito. He worked. He was with the Rockets, I think, when they went back to back. I'm pretty sure he was there too. And Mm -hmm. I want to say he was with the Celtics, but I'm not sure. But I could definitely see him being. I taking all those things he got from being an assistant coach and putting them together to make an amazing head coach. Mm -hmm. But I could also see him like getting fired or stepping down once like we're at a solid position. But Mm -hmm. I I hope the best for him, honestly. I don't want to see anybody fail in this organization. I just want to see everybody succeed in the league. And so I hope he sticks around.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Well, word. Um, do you have any words that you would like to use to try to plug yourself and Sam and your show and, and all of that? Uh, you know, I would normally offer to do it, but in, in my limited experience, it's easier to just ask you to promote yourself.
0: No, I completely understand. Well, our Twitter is called Dish the Rock Cast. And we have two episodes and it took a really long time to get those episodes out because the first one sam never edited Ooh, that was almost that was low key a bad voice track but sam never edited it with rusty so Then him and i recording an episode fuck that up because I dropped my laptop and <laughs>
1: right. it paused the audio. <laughs> right, yeah. I highlighted that on a, on my show. Uh, I think it was That was Nintendo. like – That shit was funny. <laughs> that was like – I remember like I told him
0: like, all right, I can't wait to edit this. This was like such an amazing podcast because it's like the first time we read across our stuff. And I'm listening and he says something and it gets quiet. And then you hear me responding to something else before he asks it i'm like shit i don't know what i'm doing so we're (laughs) fucked
1: no it's okay nobody knows what they're doing everybody's winging it there's no such thing as experts you're not alone
0: (laughs) yeah we were doing our third episode and like it was it just was like so terrible like his call quality was awful he like left midway through to get some food (laughs) and i remember we i wanted to highlight this because it was a big thing we're making like lists for like our MVP defensive player and rookie of the year for every single team. We made a list. Mm -hmm. And I remember I texted him about it and I'm like, I'm putting down their stats. and stuff. he's like, Mike, we're the most wing it podcast ever. Chill the fuck out. Just write some names down. (laughs) I was taking so long. I was on like the Hawks. and I was going, Mm -hmm. no, no, I was on the bulls. I was going like, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Boston. And I was going like that. And he's like, what the fuck's taking so long? And it's because mm-hmm. like I was analyzing their stats, looking at their best games. He's like, we're not doing that shit. Just write down the names. But we're kind of like an easygoing podcast. We'd love to have anybody come on. And we we just want to talk basketball. I love talking basketball.
1: Yeah, man. You, you and Sam are a fucking hoot. Real, I, I've enjoyed your, uh, your show, even in its, a, and it's a limited releases. You know, of course, y'all are funny as hell on Twitter and shit.
0: Yeah, um, I, I love messing with him. Fucking Australian.
1: Yeah, so if if you're listening, go ahead and uh, search up Dish the Rock in your Apple Podcast app because I'm sure you'll use a fucking iPhone and give him a five star rating. If you don't use a fucking iPhone, then just go ahead and do whatever the equivalent is in a, whatever app you use. No. <laughs>
0: Oh, by the way, I want to say, like, thank you on the show for, like, telling me what the fuck to do on how to upload the podcast because I got this one thing I couldn't figure it out. And you, like, really started this podcast up by telling me how to upload it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Anchor is a uh, pretty sick distribution platform. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I'm sure there's a reason Spotify just paid a, surely a bunch of fucking money to buy the company. So, <laughs> <sighs> All right, well. I haven't slept uh, more than an hour consecutively since the lottery party. So I'm going to hit the sack and then go to bed. <laughs> um, uh, again, follow uh, Dish the DishTheRockCast on Twitter. Give them a rating. Follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy. Ah, this is the first show I didn't fucking plug myself at all in the beginning. That doesn't matter, though. I don't care. <laughs> um, and you can follow Mike on Twitter at, uh, I don't know your Twitter handle by heart.
0: Mike two three zero zero two three zero zero.
1: All right, and now pop quiz. What what's what's Sam?
0: It's um, isn't it like swollen underscore knee?
1: Yeah, that's it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Go follow swollen underscore knee and Mike twenty three hundred twenty three hundred, and uh, dish the rockcast on Twitter, and uh, you will yeah. not you will not regret it. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. I I just love talking basketball, and I hope to come on again soon. Of and course, I hope we can bring you on our podcast.
1: Oh yeah, man! I'll be on anytime. Just ask.
0: Good shit.